Vanity of vanities, said the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh on the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun riseth also, amen, the sun also riseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteneth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth towards the south, and turn about unto the north, it whirled about continuously, amen, and the wind returned again according to its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. On the place where the rivers come, to the they return again. All things are full of labor. Man can utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Verse 4. One generation passeth, another generation cometh. But the earth abides forever. Lord Jesus, you are truly an amazing God. You're awesome in this place. You're worthy of our praise, God. And we're going to praise you right now because you're great. Because you're wonderful, God. Because you're just outstanding. We are going to bless you tonight, today, because you've blessed us. Blessed every family that's here. It's good to be alive and bringing praise to Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Now, many preachers, it says the preacher wrote that. Solomon the preacher wrote that. And said, all is vanity. Now, most preachers today do not want people to get alarmed. Everything that was done today is to keep you calm, keep you from anxiety, keep you cool and collective. And, you know, it's almost like shoot the messenger with the bad news. Everybody wants to hear something good. Even doctors will give you a placebo to make you feel good, just to make you feel good. Everybody wants to feel good, and the world understands that, and so they cater for feeling good atmosphere. Every minute, be comfortable, be, be relaxed, take it easy. And so even preachers get caught up in that situation, and there are some things that the world does not want to hear, but the problem is, even though it is avoided, it is necessary. You need to hear it, because Jesus said, The truth shall set you free. There's no other freedom like truth. Truth remove delusion. Amen. And illusion. And cause to see clearly. That's why we believe in divine revelation. We believe in divine inspiration. When God gives you information, because God wants you to have revelation. And God wants to reveal to you, conceal things. And He wants you to know. Now the Bible says that the generation cometh, and go up. If I was to ask you, what generation do you represent? Well, you probably talk about your grandma, grandfather, and grand, great, 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 grand, grand. And some of those you don't even know them because you don't keep royalty uh, record like the royal family does. And you have to go to uh, Salt Lake City to find out what you think you belong to. They don't know, but they think you belong to. I think it's a bunch of high personally. I don't think they know. And that's where they collect money and keep. Useless record. But the Bible says that generation come and they go. Jesus, the Bible talks about his generation when he died on the cross. Who will declare his generation? 
There must be a time when generations started. The earth abides forever, but generation does not. And so the Bible said here in Matthew 24 and verse 34, it's important you go there. Now, you all today are not alarmed, but I'm going to alarm you this morning. I'm going to alarm you. I'm going to unsettle you. You're going to leave here and your mind going to be troubling you. Not because you're being demented, please, no. But there's something that you ignore, but they're not to be avoided. They should be taken in consideration because of the urgency and the impact it's going to have on all of us. Now, in verse 34, it is said, This generation shall not pass until, until, See, I said to thee, this generation shall not pass to all these things be fulfilled. Now, you're going to read that as a Sunday school lesson and as glad over it. But if you're really inquisitive, you ought to ask, what generation is he talking about? Now, when Jesus was on earth, it was contemporary for Peter, James, and John to be there. We were not there when this happened. We were not there when this was written. So there are some people there that heard him said that. Now, now nobody asked him what generation that is. But he said this generation, if he was talking about the one contemporary of his day, then he would have been back. Because if you read the rest of the story, he said there shall be great tribulation. Great tribulation such as never had been since the creation of the earth or man on this earth. Now, there's no record anywhere where such cataclysmic activity ever taken place beside Noah's flood and beside Sodom and Gomorrah. We do not know of any other uh, apocalyptic event that took place that we can say that, well, it happened before. We know World War One, World War Two, and the incoming World War Three. It's evident. It's going to happen. You can't stop it. It's going to happen. It's going to be a nuclear war. But what is he talking about? Let me give some scriptures here today. In the book of Genesis, chapter five, the first list of generations are there. It's from Adam to Noah, longest man ever lived, Methuselah. 969 or 65 years old. Somewhere in that range. When you go to the book of St. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, or the Gospel that Luke wrote about, in chapter 3, and you come by comparative analysis, you're going to notice here, and it's important you find that out for yourself. You better understand what I'm talking about. In verse 23 to verse 38, there's a flip recording of that genealogy of generations. If you count it, there's almost 40 generations there. You can count them, and in that you got two main characters. The first man, Adam, and the last Adam. The last Adam is in verse 23. In verse 38 is the first Adam. The first Adam was called Adam. The last Adam was called Jesus Christ. Now, I wish to God preachers would take time and talk to you about this thing. Because it's going to impact you and your kids, kids, kids. If you manage to have that many kids. 
But it says here that the genealogy from Adam to Jesus Christ. It gives you a long list. It's a list of generation. The first generation start with the first man, Adam. And you're going to notice from Adam to Jesus Christ, amen, actually 6,000 years. Amen. 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus. And from Jesus, amen, to the close of the millennia, it's going to be 2,000 years. It's going to be 6,000 years gone by. Now, I'm trying to put things in perspective for you. It tells that in verse 4 of Ecclesiastes that one generation pass and another cometh. One pass and another cometh. Now, Jesus put a stop, a cul-de-sac, at this sequence of events, the cycle that we read about in Ecclesiastes. That this cycle will not be completely, continuously, repetitive, eternally. It's coming to a close. The sun and the moon go back and forth. The earth will always be here, the Bible says. But so there's coming a cycle that's going to stop. Jesus says in verse 34, verse 24, that the generation is coming that will be the last generation. My question is, are we that generation? And how long is that generation? Ask the person beside you, how long is that generation? What is the generation? Can we tell? Do we really know? In the, for example, what is the generation? Can the Bible tell us that? It does tell us what a generation is. But one thing I don't want you to know right now to redeem time, there's a beginning and there's a closure. The generation that sees. Now, there's something about the generation that Christ talked about. Peter called the untoward generation. That means a lawless generation. An uncontrolled generation. Peter said, save yourself from that generation. I'm going to tell you, God promised Noah, I will not curse the ground. But he didn't say he wouldn't curse generations. And we are living in a time, believe it or not, I'm going to shock you now, there is a generation that's cursed. There is a generation that God talks about. Let me give you an example. Towards 10 generation, Exodus chapter 1, it talked about the generation of Joseph. Joseph died. Another generation came up. And the pharaohs didn't know that generation. Did one previously. And now, so he brought in several heartaches on Israel over a 400-year period. Now, are you with me? If you understand the concept of a generation, go to Psalms 90 and verse 10. It tells you about the longevity of man. Because generation must be defined by birth and death. The life cycle of an individual which is typical of all nations. Every nation have people that are born and they're dying. The cycle goes on. Come on, one comes in, one goes out. They come in and they go out. They have the entry and their exit. You will too. You have your entry and you're on your way out. Now, every one of us represent a generation right now. 
You belong to a different generation. Now, in our apostolic faith, when I first got saved, I came and I met some generation Pentecostals who are gone, just like the last person that survived World War I has gone. And they no longer are anybody on earth that belonged to World War I. They are gone. And all we have is left are World War II. And they're on their way out. And so what we have is a, is a continuous exchange of generation. So we need to find out what is Jesus Christ is talking about. Now, I'm going to say to you, there is a, a, a preface to this. Before he made that statement, he gave us a preamble of listing of agenda of things that's supposed to happen. It's called the last days. Now, it says these things are going to happen to our world. Guess what? A generation is not 40 years. A generation is actually 70 years. Now, there is an event. If it took place or take place in our lifetime, my lifetime, and these kids' lifetime, then that dates us for prophecy. Hello? Just like Christ's birth was predicted based on the 6th and ninth week of Daniel, prophetic utterance, week of years, which is 70 years, uh, times 6 to 9, give you 483 years. All right? And Christ was born on that time within the context of prophetic utterance. And that same Christ, amen, that was born in the right context of time is telling us if we understand the relegation of time, you're going to know what time it is. Well, in the Pentecost, Peter said, it's the latter days. Joel called this the latter days. Latter days mean we're coming to an ending of days. If the day is continuous, it won't be latter. It will be continuous. But the word latter means it's coming to a close. John called it the last time. Hello. Christ came in the fullness of time. And then it said latter times. And now we're in the last time. That means we're running out of time. Hello. I'm trying to tell you. Amen. And the writer says, all that we're involved in right now is vanity. In other words, it's purposeless. It's not going to be of any value to us in days to come. Are you with me? All right. And so Jesus says, these are the generation that will not see, that will not pass until these things happen. I'm going to tell you today, the fig tree that he talks about. Now, I know the scripture in Judges, in, in, in uh, Hosea, and the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. I can prove to you, even Isaac can prove to you by scripture, fig tree means the nation of Israel. Now, you and I hear Israel in the news every day. And you pass it by like it's an ordinary story from your city. But people with perception, people who are informed, people who are in the know, knows that it's a time bomb ticking. It's about to release on this earth cataclysmic, catastrophic events that's going to affect the generation that literally witnessed what took place. Do you know that the generation that was around that when Christ was crucified, 
There was one when he was born. There's one when he was buried. There's one when he was resurrected. And there will be one at his second coming. And that generation is called the one that will not pass. That's the last generation. Are you with me? The last generation. So where is that generation? What time of existence will they come into for play? I'm telling you tonight, today rather, this generation can be discovered. When Israel fulfilled, you may want to go there, Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. When Israel fulfilled that scripture, when Israel fulfilled Hosea chapter 3, please go there, and verse 4 to 5, then we know, then we know something is happening. Hello? When we see Israel fulfill Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 14, where all nations are gathered together against this little place, then something is telling us that we are on our way to a revelation of the unfolding drama of end times. You may realize it, all things will not continue as they were from the beginning. I'm telling you, we're in the cul-de-sac or the closure or the prologue, or the epilogue rather, of life on earth. And you, honey, is maybe the last of the generations. And I'm going to prove to you that you are. You are the generation that he's talking about. And if it is so, what does it mean to me, preacher? How should I live my life? Vain in vanity? Or should I make preparation to escape this untoward generation? Now, Jesus Christ gave us some hints that we should look for. Now, in 1948, it may not mean much to you, but guess what? That's when I was born. So it means a lot to me. If nothing else, that's my birthday my year. That's when I was born. Mother June, the ninth age of the time. I was born about that time. That's the very time Israel became a nation. A nation. When the United Nations declared that Israel shall become a nation, they lost nationhood, listen to this, in 606 B.C., before Christ, Israel ceased to be a nation. And in 1948 A.D., they became a nation. Fig tree means Israel. Blossoming means coming back to birth. Jesus said, if you are in that generation, that see this event take place, then you are the last of all generation. I'm sorry for your sons and daughters. They're not going to see your age. They're not going to see it. Because two things going to happen to them. Either rapture or consumed by the events of the world. Because it's all over with this generation. Only one third of the global population will survive for Christ to reign over with a rod of iron. Think about it. Now you may dismiss me if you want to and avoid it. 
That's what I'm telling you. But I'm telling you, honey, if you understand what time it is and what hour you're living in, you would do some changes in your life. You would make some radical changes. You would make some move that others are not making because they lack information. They lack revelation. They're blind and they shall not escape. Now, this generation, Jesus called them several names. He called them an adulterous generation. He called them an evil and a crooked generation. John called them generation of vipers. He's talking about the, the quality of hostility that will be in our time. Paul calls it perilous times. We are living in perilous times. Perilous times. You don't believe it? Take a trip to the airport and see the fear factor that's everywhere. Nobody is in trust of anybody. If there's every time when love is waxed cold, it's now. If there's every time when we're seeing, amen, a time of, of unrest, it's now. Why? Jesus titled this to this generation, you're only, honey, seeing the beginning of sorrows. There is distress and perplexities of nation. Well, I'm trying to tell you, this generation is earmarked for destruction. God is looking for a holy nation. No nation on earth is holy. God is looking for a royal nation. No nation on earth is royal. Hello? God is looking for a peculiar nation. They don't exist. The reality is the nations of the world has forgotten God. The nation of the world make mockery of God. They laugh at God in their pantomime story. They tell jokes about God. They satire God. And so this generation, it says, save yourself from this generation. So I'm trying to tell you, honey, you are living in a time of curse. You may think it's a time of blessing. Everything about our world is cursed. The seasons are enjoying curses. The atmosphere of our world. Never have we have so much curses on our earth as we experience today. It went from being very good to very corrupt. Very corrupt. The earth is corrupt. And then the Bible said the corruption level will be on the days similar to Sodom and similar to the day of, of Noah. If you don't know the background of that story, this time won't mean nothing to you. But if you understand the past history of the days of Noah and the days of Lot and his wife and Sodom and Gomorrah, then you can see similarity. You can see a repetitive. That means this generation are going to get ten times worse response than they had in their time. Now I know in Scripture the people of Noah's day are in hell. They are in prison. The Bible said that. I didn't write that. It's in the book. And obviously I can extrapolate and say if that was to A, it would also be to B. 
Jesus Christ is trying to tell you something. I said the last generation, which he called vipers, adulterers, etc., shall not escape. That's not good news. I realize that. You don't shout over that. But Jesus said this generation is lined up for curses. Let me tell you the curses that you don't want to talk about. And preachers on TV and radio won't talk about. But the Bible talked very plainly concerning it. Even though we ignore it, yet you should be aware of it. Hello? Hallelujah. The blossom of the fig tree is irreversible. It's irreversible. But this generation is linked with the signs of the times. The signs of the fig tree. The signs of the temple stones that people are praying at. The signs of false Christ. The signs of wars and rumors of wars. The signs of nation fighting nations. And the fact that kingdoms are overthrowing kingdoms. It is in our generation as never ever before. We are living in a generation that is experiencing pestilence of astronomical, amen, I mean measures, it's beyond, it's pandemic, basically. And we're seeing earthquakes in diverse places, even places that don't have so-called fault in the earth's crust are having earthquakes. We're seeing weather pattern, amen, happening so to skirt around the world, unpredictable. They can't pin it down. It's unusual. Never happened for decades, for centuries. We're seeing recording, change and shift in the seasons. It's all confusing. Why? Because it's a sign of the times. It's telling us this is only the beginning of the generational curse. A gener this generation is linked with knowledge is increased. We have more information than we can shake a stick at. But we're not, we're not smart in any way. There's a lot of information, but no wisdom with it. Hello? We have more abomination that caused desolation than ever before. We're seeing a rise of false prophets. Amen. We're seeing many being deceived and deluded. For example, one of the biggest curses among us is the legalization of marijuana and drugs and things that will definitely destroy the human body. There we're seeing so many pierced body, amen, paint up, disfigured, dishonored of the human structure. We're seeing and hearing cries for peace and safety. We're looking around and we're seeing the love of humanity wax cold. The safest place is no longer the womb. The womb is the most dangerous place on earth. We're seeing abnormal weather. This generation is called the last generation. There'll be none after you. You might as well kiss it goodbye, honey. You are it. And we're seeing the beginning of sorrows that are going to lead into great tribulation such as the world has never seen before. So I'm going to tell you right now, this generation will not abide forever. But we don't want to talk about it. We want to act like the weather is normal. We want to act like everything is just as usual. But it's not true. You are an ostrich with your head in the sand.
And if it was not true, then why is the Bible saying heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words of this generation shall not pass away? The world doesn't want to admit it, but this generation cannot, amen, explain the weather pattern. Hello? They prophesied warming, and we have absolute astronomical freezing. It's worldwide. We have fire, uncontrolled fire, tsunamis, storms, pestilence, all kind of disease, even bacteria that are overriding penicillins, and, and immunization is useless and powerless. Why? This generation is in an experience called birth pain. They're experiencing birth pain. And they've not yet met the four horse riders of the apocalypse. They have not yet met Abandon, Alien, or Apollyon from the river Euphrates. They have not yet seen, in fact today they tell me, oh the sky shall fall, a major satellite, Alien, to hit the earth. Where is it going to fall? Hello? Where will it drop? Our earth is in trouble. It's polluted. Our earth is, is convoluted. And we see the sun and the moon turning blood and black as sackcloth. Stars are falling and hitting the earth. We're seeing tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunami. Everywhere you go, it's the cause of concern. And somebody's asking, what meaneth this? And I'm saying, honey, we are that generation. We are the generation. It's leading up to the imminent return of Jesus Christ. He said, if he did not come, no flesh shall be saved. Whether by natural cause or by human intervention, it's going to cause cataclysmic untold suffering upon the world. There will be no hiding place on earth because everything will be contaminated. Our world right now is contaminated with nuclear activities everywhere. You're doing things you don't realize that you're just uh, taking right into problems. I don't even know it. Because the world is not going to tell you. Our generation, Jesus said, will be a generation of science. We're seeing more science in technology, in science. But we're also seeing a lifestyle sign. The sign of Sodom. I don't need to name you what goes on in Sodom. You know what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the lifestyle they live. The days of Lot. The days of Lot's wife. You know what they did. If you can see that, then you're seeing a signature telling you that this is the hour. This is the time. What Jesus talked about, we are that generation. What can I do about it? I can save myself. I can escape the thing that are coming upon the world. This generation is a cursed generation. It's a haughty generation. It's an in-your-face generation that challenges God. We're seeing money failed. And yet this generation shall not escape. God said they shall not escape. They will not escape the, se the seals, judgment, a revelation of the apocalypse. They won't escape the blow of the trumpet that bring the plagues upon all the environmental things of the sea, the land, the air, etc. How are we going to survive? One guy said, I'm going to buy some food and go and hide in a rock. Honey, it will be contaminated. It won't work. What about the vows of wrath? 
This generation is going to experience the vengeance of the wrath of God. How is that? Paul said, knowing the wrath of God. I persuade men to believe. I'm trying to tell you, church, this generation is going to see the blackness of the night when God turned the sun right off and there's no light upon the earth as gross darkness that can be felt. Amen. Your little lantern won't work, my friend. Your flashlight won't work. They're going to feel the indignation of the heat of hell and the flames of hell and the smoke of hell. Why? Because as God meeting out judgment on a world that forgot God, a world that mocked God, a world that changed God's plan for humanity, a world that will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth long before every eye sees Him. This world is earmarked for every knee shall bow. That's why we chose to bow now. Everybody's going to bow. You bow now or you bow later. Hello? You confess one God now, you do it later, honey. I'd rather do it right now. Amen. Every tongue shall confess. You can't smoke marijuana in hell. You can't get a bottle of booze in hell. You can't have sex orgies in hell. Everything that kept you from living for God, you can't do it in hell, my friend. You might as well do it for Christ now. Now, get on that ark. Get on that boat. Save yourself. Get out of that city. Get out of this generation and join the royal nation, the holy priesthood. Ah, come on now. There's a people that know their God and shall be strong in that day and they will do exploit. I'm trying to tell somebody, in the evening time there shall be light. There shall be light to a people that know their God when he comes out to punish the sinners. Amen. And to and cuff Satan and chain him and his fallen angels and cast them into a bombless pit and put the beast and, and the false prophet in a lake of fire. My friend, you can be sitting in heaven, hallelujah, around the throne and enjoying the wedding gown, hallelujah. You can escape this morning. I'm trying to tell you, friend, I can feel the flames just flickering right now in the people's face and say, so you don't have to go there, my friend. You are living in a cursed time. God refused to let the earth produce. Fishes are floating. Just don't know why they're dying. Birds falling out of the sky. Hello. Disease rising. All kind of names given to them. But if you check your Bible... They're on the same level of the ten plagues that hit Egypt. When Eve said, who's the Lord? I don't know him. God said, I'll save you some plagues. And you'll be bowing to him pretty soon. And I'll take you down to the river and drown you. Hallelujah. And then you'll know that I am the Lord. The cycle will not stop until this generation passes. When Jesus become the lion and cease to be the Lamb. You're going to be faced with an angry God. A God who shows no mercy. He planned to reign over this generation with a rod of iron. If you think communist was a rod of iron, honey, you have not seen a rod yet. And you have not seen iron. He said, Pastor, where's the God of love? You ask Him, don't ask me. There's not one bit of love in Revelation. There's no mercy in Revelation. There's no grace in Revelation. 
It's a woe. 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 Woe means destruction. Calamity. Fearsome. Indignation. Of an angry God. Amen. Why? This generation is a generation that ignore the laws of God, the statutes of God, the precepts of God, and they do what's right in their own eyes. Nothing is right or wrong. It's a preferred act. Feels good, do it. It's wrong. Amen. It's an antinomous law. That means against law. It's a world of libertines. Peace, peace without the Prince of Peace is impossible. They don't know God. They don't obey the gospel. They forget God. They have hard speeches against God. I'm talking about this generation. Now, I'm sorry you got to hear it this morning, but somebody's got to tell you where you're living, honey. You're hanging around perils, perilous time. But in the evening time, there shall be light. There's a people who know their God and will be strong and will work. Oh, hallelujah! In those days. I mean, I am on the radio and other places, hard speeches against God. I mean, a bottom of talk, a time of lawlessness. Amen. Truth falling to the ground. Righteousness is a far off, and, and cleanliness is not heard of. Amen. If you're unclean, you're okay. If you're a pervert, you're okay. If you're straight, then my friend, you get kicked around for a while. Amen. Because justice is Fallen to the street. Why? In this generation. Please go with me. And look what God said about our generation here, friend. In Proverbs 30, verse 11 to 14. Now, folks, I travel. And I notice conferences and preachers, they avoid preaching this. They will not talk about it. They don't want to ruffle the people. Because the people said, Prophet, prophesy a smooth thing to me. Tell me nice things. Uh, give me a, a candy stick. Let me lick on it. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, don't show me what's right. Uh, come on. I don't want to hear about God. Uh, everything is alright. No, it's not alright. It's some time to blow the trumpet and show the people their sins. Uh, it's time to repent. Uh, it's time to turn around. Uh, God is coming. God's not slack uh, concerning His promises. He's not willing. It should perish. Uh, but they're pushing God. Uh, and they're causing Him to, to do things uh, that He doesn't want to do. Hey! Distoration. Cocky. Haughty. Proud. Huh? Walk and celebrate their sins. And brag about it. Well, I threw the bomb over here. And I killed so-and-so. And I assassinated so-and-so. I've I got a right of choice. I'm pro-choice. Hello. And I got this kind of rainbow pride. When the rainbow is supposed to be a sacred thing. Not some immoral act represented by it. It's around the throne of God. Hello. It's like me throwing salt in your eyes. Proverbs 30 list four characteristics of this generation. I'm telling you, there are preachers this morning in the city lying to people, crying peace, peace, where there is no peace, and comforting those that should be afflicted, and afflicting those that should be comforted. From such turn away, Paul says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of holiness, righteousness, 
A changed life. A changed talk. A changed walk. If Christ is in you, my friend, you're a new person. If Jesus Christ is in you, there's an inside change and an outside rep representation of change. Uh, there's a new man walking in my shoe. God give you a new heart. A new spirit will I give you. And take away the stony heart. Where are the old time preachers? Where are the old time message? Why are we preaching like it should be preached? My friend, choose the right road. Escape this untoward generation. I can't go to the church of my choice. I gotta go where Jesus is. <laughs> I gotta go where Jesus is. I'm sorry, friend. I have no interest in buildings and pews and bricks and mortars and stones and, and, and entertainment. I want to know how to be saved and stay saved. Hello. I'm telling you, friend, Jesus is coming. I said, Jesus is coming. We must talk about it. He's coming. I said, He's coming. He will not tarry. I said, He's coming. Tell your kids, He's coming. He's coming. He's coming for a church without spot or without wrinkle. We are not going to be like the days of Noah when the people of God become joined to the people of Canaanites. Hello! The Canaanite spirit is come back in our world. Read the book of Leviticus and read how they lived. That's what's happening today. The lifestyle of antiquity is coming back. It's a recycled sin, my friend. The devil has no new sin. Sin is still sin, no matter where it was. It's still God transgression of God's law. God said in verse 11, This generation curse their parents. Hello? Parenting will be mocked and scoffed at. How can any kid have two daddy or two mama? Being mocked. What God gave us an institution, constitution changes it. And the people agree to it. Nobody cries over it. Verse 12. Amen. They are pure in their own eyes. They say, well, nothing wrong with me. What have I done wrong? I don't need God. I didn't kill him, but da, 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 da. They're right in their own eyes, even though they're not washed from their filth. Hello? Verse 13. Number 3. They're self-exalting. So they're proud. We have pride of parades in the street, doing the most abominable actions of behavior that not even dogs do and animals does. Man stoop below animal lifestyle. And so they're proud of it. And they wave banners and stock. And the days are saying thing about it. It reminds me of the days of Sodom. They're full of pride, verse 13. And it tells me in verse 14, the earth is filled with violence, murder, killing. We are so desensitized now, we could hear of mass murder and don't mean nothing. We could hear of genocide and act like nothing is happening. Because we're so used to blood and guts. People are walking around with t-shirt. No fear. My friend, fear will come. Amen. So that's how I mock when your fear cometh. And your teeth, amen, start to knock like gnashing of teeth. It's going to happen. Don't tell me I'm preaching wrong. I know I'm preaching right. I'm here to preach the word of God. He caught Shadama. It's not about a crowd. It's about God's honor. Amen. God going to be king of the earth in due season. Amen. Hell, it's a pray that you be accounted worthy 
to escape this generation and the things coming on them. Hey, come on, church. We need more church, not less church. Summer come doesn't mean to shut the church down. People are more concerned about attendance than God's presence. Hello. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hollywood removed the holy God. Don't you ever walk in here and judge me by my pews. Because that don't move me either. What I want to know is the Bible's still king in this place. What I want to know, what you have the perversion or the true version of the Bible. That's what I want to know. I want to make it to heaven. Hell is too hot. Eternity's too long. I don't want to go there. I don't want to gnash my teeth. I want to sit in, in paradise. Not perdition. I will not spend the holiday with the devil. And his falling angels. I want to live with Jesus Christ and the cherubs. Make up in your mind which way you want to go. Come on. You should be shouting at me. Preach it, preacher. Preach it. Don't hide it from us. Tell us. Show us the way. Cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Let me know which is the right door. Don't take me some broad way and some wide gate. I want the straight and the narrow way. I want to be saved from this generation. I mean, we got conferences, and I mean, the town doesn't even suggest anything. We call that vacillating, equivocating. We can make it so so neutral. That pretty soon we got gender neutral preaching now. Devil neutral preaching. You don't offend God nor the devil. I treat them both. It's a bad place to be. They'll both kill you. <laughs> oh! I'm not being mean spirited. God says, save yourself from this untoward generation. Church, if I preach anything different, you have a right to walk out and run for your life. Hallelujah. Because the 16th chapter of Ezekiel says, in verse 49, it says, it grieved God. Sinners were grieving God every day. It says, Sodom was exceedingly wicked. Exceedingly sinful. It says, this was the sin of Sodom. Pride, abundance of bread, they were gluttons, and abundance of idleness. Look at it, my friend, was in her. Hallelujah. And they didn't even protect the poor and the needy. And they were haughty. Next verse says, they were haughty. And they opened and declared their sin and their abomination. And God says, I took them away. In one place, says, I overthrew them. God can overthrow democracy, communism, adhocracy. I don't care what man has, they haven't ruled. You folks don't get it. I haven't told you yet. If Christ said, our generation of sons not pass, has it occurred to you how many years left on this earth possibly? 
Now I hate to speculate and calculate, but indulge me for this folly for a moment here. Can I go on that folly for a moment? It's 1948 is the year that the fig tree blossomed. And if 70 is the time of a generation, doesn't that tell you something, folks? Now it's 2014. That's amazing. When God says in the book of Hosea, after two days, I will leave the Gentile and go back to the Jews. And the third day they'll live in my sight. We are 14 years in the third millennia. Hello? Doesn't that tell me that by 2018, I expect this world to be torn up? Ripped up? I expect the releasing of the seven seals on earth? Where do I plan to be? Absent from the body? Finish it. Absent from the body? Absent from the body? Absent from the body? Absent from this earth? Absent from this generation? Absent from immorality? Absent from carnality? Present with the Lord! God said, I'll spare them as you spare his jewels. And you're going to hide them in the secret of his pavilion. I'm not through. I know you want me to but give me a few more minutes here. Hang on. I'm going to hide you, God says. The fourth chapter says, he's coming out. And the earth is going to burn with a fervent heat like a furnace. But God said, I'm going to spare you. And hide you. As a man spared his jewels. Hello? Why does Jesus call my day serpents, vipers? Adulterers. What are they doing? What's the say thing about our day? Why call untoward generation? I mean rebellious. He said they're no different from the days of Noah. Hello? But thank God there was a boat. They're no different than the days of Lot. But thank God there's an angel of the church. I said, Come on out of here. Get out of here. God about to destroy this place. Anybody hear me? Hallelujah. They mock sin. They mock God. You know those who mock Lot's report perished in the fire? You know those who mock Noah drowned and bloated? Hallelujah. I want to have the spirit of Ruth. They said to the tenth generation, you can't go to church. Amen. The spirit of Ruth. I want the spirit of Ruth. They said, she can't go, she's on the curse. But she changed that. She changed that. Hallelujah. I want to change that curse. I was born in sin. Sin is a curse. That's a sin is a curse. But righteousness exalted a generation and a nation. Hallelujah. And Ruth reversed the curse. I want to be a Noah. Do you know Noah was condemned with those people? But he found grace. Thank God there's still grace in the church. Hallelujah. For the human race. Hallelujah. Praise God. We can escape this generation. And God said, I'm going to build me in the midst of all the corruption. A royal church. A royal priesthood. Can any good thing come out of this earth? Yes, it can. God said, Behold, I'll show you the Lamb's wife. She's coming out of the earth. Oh, hallelujah. A holy nation. Before I close today, we're going to repopulate the earth. The days of Noah is here. 
The days of Sodom is right here. The days of Lot's wife is evident. People are looking back. And the days of Lot, sadly, is here. People are going into Sodom instead of coming out of it. It's a sad thing when Sodomites are in the pews. Hello? And behind the pulpit, we need some Jehu who say all the Baal worshippers separate from the Jehovah's worshippers. We need some Josiah who took those Sodomites out of the temple and put them out. Not embrace it called tolerance. Tolerance is nothing more than compromise. Oh, I lost it. Abomination back then in my Bible is still the same. Time does not change God's holiness. Holiness without which you cannot see God. God said, take off your shoes. You're in holy ground. He wants holy people. The word saints mean holy one. You don't mean a dead saint in the fossil of the cemetery. No. You mean a living person in the sanctuary. Come on, church. Come on, church. This generation... Hallelujah. Is a sign that the man of sin is about to be revealed. Hello. He's going to say he's God, but he's not God. This generation is going to see the mark of the beast, and we're already seeing it in the form of tattooing and body piercing. It's just a forerunner of what's coming in our world. Come on, change of God. There you tattoo your body. There you come with an earring. Unless you're an Ishmaelite. Or a Jezebel. Let me preach, please. Jezebel was in the church in Revelation, and God said, I'm going to throw her out. She painted her eyes and painted her face, and God said, No, that's not my church. I'm telling the truth. Strong delusion is here. Nations are gone mad on the wine of Babylon. Hey, look at Babylon in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Look at her. Is that the church? Come on, beloved. Compare her with chapter 19 of Revelation. I'm not being antagonistic. I'm preaching what the Bible said. I'm here to preach the Word. It's to preach the Word. Not preach my opinion. Not preach my popular feeling in the world. Preach the Word. Preach the Scripture. Hallelujah. For in it we think we have eternal life. I'm trying to tell somebody today, this world is coming to an end. The second coming is imminent. And tribulation is around the corner. And the rapture is imminent, my friend. And the door is about to be shut. Tell someone beside you, get ready. Would you stand? Two thousand... 2014 what would be if this is the day when Jesus come would have no more time to bring our loved ones in revelation put it this way it is so quick and dynamic let him that is filthy be filthy still and let him that's holy be holy still. The worst thing a parent can do to a kid is to lie to that kid. At some point in life, that kid going to know the truth. And that memory going to haunt that kid.
the worst thing you could ever have in your life is to look back and say, Pastor, he lied to me. You knew I was going astray. And you never mentioned Jesus lost to me. You never told me. You knew I couldn't make it that way. And you prophesied smooth things to me when you know it wasn't true. Just to please me. I want to ask you right now, beloved. Your generation is on its way out. I'm going to get you to get your calendar out the next four years. I want to meet you right back at this pulpit. You know what I wish? I wish you could prove me untrue. That's my wish. I'm not Jonah who said, yet 40 days and this place will be destroyed. And God didn't do it. And Jonah got mad. He was more concerned about his credential than the mercies of God. He was more concerned about him being right and they be dead than God turned things around and they repented. If this world would repent right now, God would change his mind. God is ever merciful, ever kind, ever kind. Not one in it should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You may not like me for preaching truth, or this church for standing for what's right, but we don't want you in hell, have us in your memory, that we didn't tell you the truth. And said, that is not right. 450 prophets lied to to Ahab because Jezebel was with it. And God says she's in the church. There are three influences in the end time church. I'm going to tell you who they are. You want to hear them? Balaam said separation is not necessary. Mix them. Mix the godly with the so-called professing godly and ungodly. And God destroyed book of Numbers. God said that spirit is in the church. The next one is called, listen to me now, uh, Nicholas. Nicholas says, we are not under the law, under grace. You can do anything I feel like. Jesus did it all. They're called the libertines and the antinomianism. They overthrow houses. They promise you liberty and make you come like a dog to the vomit. They're putting greater bondage. There's another group in the end time, in our midst, preachers. I'm talking about preachers, like myself. You know, preachers around the world? Yeah. You can, you can spot them. Amen. You see, Balaam was for money. Hello? It's all about money. Amen. And then Jezebel, the prophetess. Ooh. My God. She said, you can wear anything you want. You can dress any way you want to. Nothing is strange apparel. Just do what you want to. You see those long braided hair folks and people? Reading your Bible, it says, And she tied her hair. I'm glad you girls don't do that to your kids. Don't you ever waste your money on that nonsense? That's Phoenician stuff. 
You know what tie head means? It means Jezebel braid her hair. A threefold cord is like this. Look, right? Like this. And Peter says, not with a braiding of what? Hair. If I start preaching, you're all going to hate me now. Because I'm, I'm resting on, I'm on, the, on the breads of Niagara Falls. You're going to push me off. But can't I tell the truth? No, I'm talking to saints. If you're a visitor, God bless you. I'm talking to the saints right now. Saints, let me tell you. Here's why you're not in the priesthood in the Old Testament. Because in the priesthood, a man in the priesthood is not allowed to have long hair. Long hair disqualify him from the priesthood. And a woman with a long hair could not go because she'd be disqualified by the long hair. No long hair and women. Amen. I mean, short hair women. Is that right? Because if she's done the priesthood by law, she has to cut her hair to meet the hair requirement. And the priesthood. You guys got it? You got to cut it. And the priest can't grow it long. Hello? And stay in the hair. And if he goes out there with long hair, he's an abomination. Next thing God said, you know, I, I can't put a woman in the priesthood because she got her, her cycle. And it's required every priest must come every week to the house of God by courses. And ladies, you've got unpredictable cycle in your biological makeup. So we can never predict when you're going to be on duty or off duty. And you can't show up if you're, un- if you're unclean. Because David was not there because they said he was what? Unclean. Am I still with, still with me? See, this generation don't want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you, that's right. And so God says, she can't be there. So that's to qualify her. Hello? Hello? But then God shocked the woman and said, look, woman, if you have a girl child, you have to tell the temple for, temple presence for eight days. On the eighth day after that, it can get purified. If it's a boy, after three days, you can come. Now, God never explained why. Because the whole idea was, I want you to obey without understanding. Look for God. If you're going to wait to understand what I'm talking about, you're never going to serve God. Because you can't figure God out. You can't figure this thing out. It's obey and believe. God said, believe. Even though you don't understand, believe. It's written, kill it. And then God said, now, you boys, when you go up on the altar, on my altar, I don't want to see your nakedness. I don't want to see it. You know, it's in Revelation, Jesus had a gown all the way down to his feet. There's never been an angel where you see his legs. You never will see it. God don't want to see your flesh. Preachers can't preach that. They're scared. Our flesh in church. Rotten flesh. She now can't hide it. God still sees it. Ooh. 
God said, I'm going to make my britches. You know who invented britches? God did. For priests. Hello? And so God said, now, priest, wing up that evil they got a gown on. I still think you're naked, so put the trousers on. So he goes up there, and climb. God said, okay, that's fine. Now, he had to put the trousers on, so it's not an abomination. But the woman can't go in the priesthood because she can't put on. I'm trying to be politically correct. Saints, I'm talking to you. Because you're called to be saints. Saints being holy, means separation. She can't do it. Because she does it. To hide her flesh, she's still abominable to him. So God kept her out. How many got that? Now, Jezebel came in and corrupted Tara Tara. But Jezebel, they had to choose between Jezebel and Dorcas. Dorcas was the one that clothed the women with garment that Peter endorsed. And when Dorcas died, the women cried and said, Oh, Peter, we want that Dorcas because who's going to make our clothing for us? And we can't exist without her. I'm going to shock you now, folks. I'm talking to saints. Don't get mad at me, no, folks. Please don't get mad at me. Please. Don't shoot me. I'm already dead in Christ. Hallelujah. Are we the truth? Now, why on earth would God mention dead people in Revelation? Balaam died a long time ago. He died with the enemies. Jehu killed Jezebel. And Nicholas Paul said, God threw him to the devil. So why is he mentioning him in the church? The influence. The influence. The teaching is there. Now, folks, I'm being honest with you. Please don't shoot me, folks. Don't shoot me. Tomorrow Jesus may come. You said, you never mentioned Jesus to me. The terrible thing. To know the truth and not tell it. You see, the world can't absorb truth. Darkness is, is offensive. Somebody, please turn off those lights for me, please. Turn off those lights. I want to show you, my friend. But you give us time, and we will adjust to the, the darkness. Turn off those lights, please. Turn those down. You know, I'm so black, you can't see me now. <laughs> I disappeared in the dark now. You have time. Ooh, now you can't see me, folks. Can't see my teeth? Even though I got messed up, too. Can't see me? But give me time, and I promise you, we're going to see each other clearly in the dark. You know why? You know why, folks? Because darkness, darkness, don't like light. Now turn light on us, what happened? The darkness, flee! If the next four years, the next four years could be, possibly be, might be, the end of our generation, then Christ should be coming pretty soon. 
I'm going to stop because you can't swallow it all. I can see that. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to further. But saints, I want to talk to you, folks. We need a Satan had to talk to you. Hallelujah. The devil doesn't want you to know the truth. He wants you to be, to be go to hell. One thing I want to say to you, if you notice in Revelation, Jesus is not sitting down with the church. He's standing up. That means he's not fellowshipping them. If I come to your house and you let me stand at the door and they'll give me a seat, it means I'm not welcome. He was not welcoming in those churches. The lifestyle pushed him out. Oh, God. Don't tell me I can't preach like this. I don't want to be a TV evangelist. I want to preach to one and I want to go to, go to heaven. I have 10,000 go to hell to burn. He stood. He said to one church, he said, Sardis, you're dead. He said, Ephesus, I'm going to move your candlestick out. That don't sound too romantic to me. I guess he missed Valentine's Day. On the day of Valentine's Day to my wife, I feel like moving you out. <laughs> spew you out. He said, to, to, to let us hear, you're naked. What does that mean? You're miserable. You're wretched. You're blind. What does that mean? I told my church, you're, you're defiled. Who's he talking to? His church. There's Jesus talking. You know what? Because the preachers won't talk. When the preacher's not talking, the Spirit has to speak. So said, let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Because the men of God ain't saying it. You guys should love Brother Neil so far. And take that off the record. I don't mean that. I'm trying to tell you something, folks. I love a church that tell me how to be saved. Brother, when you when you wheel my coffin right in this church right here, I hope I made it. I hope I'm in that heavenly place that we talk about. Look at some martial women look pretty good. Oh, he's sleeping, going to be with Jesus. Well, live like a wretch. Lord Jesus.